On today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers absolutely took care of business against the Milwaukee Bucks. George Singh led the way. We'll talk about his performance and much more on today's show. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use our code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your first purchase. I'm Chris Manning, the man over there in, in what appears to be a turtleneck. It's color blocked. It says very cool on it. Yes. Okay. That's Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for production. Cavs Bucks, Cleveland absolutely shellacks the Giannis less Milwaukee Bucks. Takes care of business. George Nyang with a career high in points. Donovan Mitchell with a big night. Overall, a pretty clean win for the Cavs who trailed for all of 13 seconds of this game. Evan, what's your big takeaway from Cavs Bucks? Um, on a less serious note, um, it was Greek Heritage Night in Cleveland. And if I'm Giannis at Enacumpo, I'm asking for a trade. Immediately after my team did not defend my part of my like my uh, heritage in a arena that I do not play in normally. But my big takeaway is just this is another example of the Cavs kind of having unsung heroes every night. And it's not always Donovan Mitchell or, or Jared Allen without Evan Mobley and Darius Garland out there. And. You're seeing role players step up with George and Yang being the guy who really got some shine in this game after having a career high 33 points. But yeah, like this one for me, it was just, it kind of felt like it was over in the first few minutes of this game, especially when Cleveland just really stretched that lead wide open to start it. And there were moments, like you said, like whether the Bucks temporarily took the lead for a few seconds or whatever it was, like the, the Cavs just seemed like they're a cat playing with their food in this game. And Sure, there's no Giannis in this one, so that certainly hurts the appeal overall um, in like maybe grading out how this game went. But I, I think like the Cavs had the right game plan for how to contain Damian Lillard. And then when Giannis wasn't available, it really empowered J.B. Bakerstaff and Isaac Okoro really to turn the screws even t- tighter on Dame and... Also, like Chris Middleton as well, just like two of the bigger stars um, that were on the floor for Milwaukee and just made life difficult for them all game long. And it got out of reach like midway into the third quarter is when I think um, Adrian Griffin called off the dogs and started subbing in guys um, that rarely play for Milwaukee. And that's when I knew I'm like, okay, credit or credits to JB. You really schemed up a plan to make Dame uncomfortable and it made it even more uncomfortable without Giannis out there. Yeah, I mean, no Giannis obviously lessens, I think, what we can learn from this and how you can build it forward and and all of that. But you get up by 20 early, you have the first quarter you do, you have the second quarter you do, when when you win the second quarter by 15, and then you win the third quarter by 16, you're just constantly, as you said, turning the screws, building it up, and you just got big nights from in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different guys you could look at as having standout performances. Niang, obviously, I think, comes to mind first because you got a career-high 33-point night from Niang, and he was uber-efficient, was 13 of 14 from the field. Mitchell has 31. Allen has 21 and 13. Merrill gives you 10. 
Lavert gave you nine. Like Lavert didn't even didn't play well at all. He's one of seven from the field, oh two from three, and it just didn't matter. That's how far they pulled ahead to win this game and just totally dominate the Bucks. And this is now eleven and three without Garland, without Mobley. Garland closer, obviously to coming back. We just talked about it on our last show. But you're you're winning games that you wouldn't have expected to win. You're taking advantage of the fact that Giannis didn't play. There's some there's going to be value at some point in the fact that they won this game. And it, if it gives them an extra buffer in the standings, if if it gives them an extra little tiebreaker over over at some point, whatever it's going to be, there's going to be value in Cleveland being a team that won this game that if you would have guessed a week ago based on who was playing and who wasn't that they might not have there's just going to be a boost from from getting a win like this oh absolutely um you can even look at it like in the hard brass tax numbers like they are two games currently out of third place in eastern conference three games out of second place in the eastern conference um depending on how this upcoming trip goes along with what happens to philly for sure and definitely what happens in those two games in three nights in milwaukee next week like we could be staring down, uh, I don't want to say the barrel, but looking at a landscape where the Cavs really have handled a lot of this adversity that was thrown to them, where it, it felt like the biggest blow in terms of just what they had been dealing with all season long in losing Garland and Mobley. And like, they're still standing and they're still thriving. And I, I think there is something very interesting about that. Um, George Nian called it refreshing. Um, I, I don't think it was like pot shots at his time with Doc Rivers in Philly or his time with Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert in Utah. But like there is something endearing just by the fact that <clears throat> the, the Cavs could have crumbled um, at any point in this stretch. And there are going to be nights maybe they don't continue this six game winning streak or kind of keep winning in such a dominant fashion like they have been. But at least for now in the in the short term it has them in a very nice spot in the Eastern Conference standings and they are knocking on the doorstep of maybe climbing into that top three race versus when we're having this conversation back when they lost to lost to Toronto and they were the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference and we're saying okay play in or playoff like it has been staggering at least in my eyes to see how much they've kind of turned things around since that New Year's Day loss to the Raptors and how they continue to kind of keep putting together like these really solid wins where there's not just like a consistent individual performer. Of course, there's like Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, but like you have a standout in one of the role players. And I think for me, like that's the most encouraging because it gives the Cavs a lot more trust when things are tight again. And um, that's maybe something they didn't have uh, at times last season, especially when they like Donovan Mitchell said they started so red hot to start the year last year that when the test came, like they maybe weren't fully prepared, but like this time around, like maybe they do have a little bit more of a puncher's chance. There's where this ends up. We don't know, but they're hitting some kind of stride. They're hitting some sort of positive energy right now. And where this ends up, where it looks like when, when Mobley and Mitch and Garland come back, that's going to be a really big deal. And if this is continuing, I think more than anything else, the fact that this team is just playing a lot better than you would have expected without those two guys. I mean, I've, I've been one on this for the segment before we get into awards next. This to just me had the, being eleven and three without those guys. I think far exceeds any expectations you could have had for them without Garland, without Mobley. Yeah, externally, I think that's certainly the case. I mean, ISJV 
and Donovan that to nub out that tonight. They they weren't surprised, and I think you know just say it's a culture win for them, and also just an easy way to say like, yeah, we believe in our strength and numbers, blah blah blah. But yeah, like again, they were on a three four game slide, including like a very very frustrating and I, I'd say like kind of embarrassing loss to the Celtics, and then they lose Mobley and Garland like that, and you're thinking. Okay, this season could very well be over before it starts, but they, they've handled this test very well. I, they're not through the woods quite yet because Garland and Mobley aren't on the floor without a minute's restriction, but like they are getting through the thick of the wilderness, and they're almost on the way out to the other side. And I'm just very fascinated to see what this team looks like as they kind of enter the stride after they add those two faces back to the rotation to kind of see, like, okay, like... How how legit can Cleveland really be when they are at full strength and they are, are really f***ing themselves from the inside out? Coming up, Game Awards. There's a certain guy who goes by G-Wagon now. He's been upgraded from a minivan who I think is going to win MVP or at least be one of our MVPs. We'll talk about him and the other awards after this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest... DFS platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of betting thousands on, and b- battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you bet more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And if you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players, like the rapper Meek Mill and the comedian Andrew Soltz, you can now find them under the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Football and basketball games, for instance, you have one of them exit the game in the first half and does not return for the second, that player gets rebooted. So go to prizepicks.com backslash LockedInNBA and use code LockedInNBA for your first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com backslash locked in NBA, code locked in NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Today's episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have a qualified candidate within 24 hours. I can tell you that's got to be a huge relief for business owners out there. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time and resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedInNBA. That is linkedin.com slash LockedInNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Game Awards. Evan, who's your MVP? Excuse me, it's um, it's George Niang for this game. Um, career high. Uh, really hard to believe that he had 20 points in the first half. Like it kind of just was a little bit of a zany outcome. I, I think his step back three pointer to really crystallize it could be a play of the night nominee. But like you know, have a night, George Niang. Like 
we're really starting to see him look more and more comfortable. We've talked about this quite a bit over this stretch and also just like watching Niang kind of get acclimated out on the floor with this new team. Like he is really finding a touch and rhythm with this Cavs offense. He's really taking advantage of the fact that the Cavs are becoming a lot more three point heavy without Garland and Mobley out there. And tonight was a perfect example of it where like every shot seems like it was just going to go in for him. And unfortunately only one of his 14 attempts didn't connect for him. He was unbelievable. I didn't know he had some of these things in him. I just, It was cool to see him just get to continue also to play. Like, There's definitely a little bit of... You want all the guys who are in your rotation maybe not to have to be in at the end of a blowout game. And it would have been nice to just have like one other body, I guess, to get out there and not have Niang. But this team's banged up. I did and, think for a moment, I will say that, when I saw Tristan Thompson checking back in, I'm just like, geez, did Damian Jones' three-pointer really get him the hook that? Well, they played. They played. The, you got the. Then they, you then know they played Thompson. Then they played Thompson yeah. and Jones together. I know. I thought that Jones was getting yeah. the hook for Thompson already. I was just like, holy cow! Yeah, you know, games are over when you get the Tristan Thompson, Damian Jones front court. But Niang that, that is still getting that is points. Some, that is some Byron Scott level stuff right there, folks. With Tristan Thompson at the power forward spot. Yeah, it's wild. Um, Niang was awesome. Didn't know he had that in him. They. Mid, to me, Mitch, I, I went with Mitchell from MVP just because I thought he really was the dominant one early and kind of was the one who got them out to a 20-point lead more than anybody else. Uh, so there's there's that with that. But both guys, I think, very deserving. Those are the two guys at the shepherd of everything they did. And again, Yang has been really great of late, has really settled in, and that guy was awesome in this game. And that and that's why you so go get Mitchell. a guy like him in the first place. Yeah, yeah, Mitchell's great. He yeah, just Mitchell was did, really, really good in this game for sure. Um, I think... For me, it, it was one of those early plays where he just like really bullied and I'll just tip my hand. Like when he had Andre Jackson Jr. on skates like really early into this game, I'm like, this one might be over before I get started because like Donovan was just like ripping from three point range anywhere. Like he was just getting any shots he wanted. It kind of looked like he was just, you know, really bullying Milwaukee's defense quite a bit. Um, you, you notice the Bucks went to a two three zone and it took the Cavs a second to maybe kind of unlock that and I think they went to that zone because Mitchell was just killing them from all over the floor but yeah Mitchell was sensational in this game and also like I said when he had Andre Jackson Jr. on skates when he um faked him out like that and he saw Jackson Jr. fall like that was my play of the night I do have another pick though but I want to hear yours yeah play of the night for me uh the pass Mitchell made to Ning on the kick out uh second That's quarter really I think pick. it was just like Mitchell getting into the paint and then just pulling a pass out of nowhere with insane body control. Just unbelievable stuff from Mitchell in that moment as a creator and getting downhill and, and finding a shooter on the wing. I mean, I can't use the, one of the words I have in our notes because we, we don't use cuss words on there, but goodness, what a pass from Donovan Mitchell. And there You could have picked a bunch of plays in this game, which is kind of the fun part of watching a game that they're just shellacking it, it, the other it's team. A, it's a glorified layup line every possession. Yeah, or like even if they have like there was a play in the second quarter, I think that was like a busted play, and then they end up getting like a loose ball, and then Sam Merrill just like slides up from the corner and takes a three, and you're like, sure. Or like Isaac Okoro had a bunch of good defensive plays in this game. Or the Isaac Okoro lob pass to Jared Allen on the fast break, just because. I'm like, that's what that that was another moment. Like, okay, this game's officially over because they're just going to be trying fun stuff until JB eventually calls off the the main dogs and lets some of the other bench guys play. So. Yeah. But my, my honorable mention is when Thanasis Adenakumpo 
blocked Donovan Mitchell and then proceeded to talk trash as Mitchell like was in the uh, kind of like the photographer row. And then you watch him get back. Like he's like beating his chest, talking trash. And then you watch him get back on the other end and gets proceeded to get smothered by Jared Allen with a nice, really nice Allen block. And then you see Mitchell just get like an easy two hand dunk. Like, I don't know why, man, but like I've seen those Thanasis lowlights on um, Twitter lately and they make me chuckle. But like just getting the full Thanasis at Inokumpo experience and just like that brief vignette really like made the day for me. I'm like, this is great. This game's got everything. Yeah, Thanasis is is one of one. All right. Uh, Stat of the night for me. So Cavs were dominant in basically every category. The only one that was close to even was turnovers. They had 11. The, the Bucks had 10. Cavs had 17 points off of turnovers, though. The Bucks only had 7. Cleveland converted there. It's just another way that they really cleaned up. A bunch of other ones you could pick. and uh, They had the biggest lead of 47 at one point in this game. Uh, they... 11 to 2 second chance point advantage, 33 to 8 fast break advantage. Just a ton of different things you could go with. But Evan, what's your stat of the night? Uh, this was the. Th- I had to correct it after the fact because they're riding it for a second and then some garbage buckets kind of change this. But this is the fourth largest margin of victory in Cavs franchise history at 40 points. Um, and it's also the 135 they put up as the 12th most points scored ever. Uh, Chris, you may know this, but what is the largest margin of victory in Cavs history? Like, this number I've sp- no- blew me up. It was 68 points in 1991 when they beat the Heat 148 to 80. Yeah. Um, I would have if- guessed in the 50s would have been my, like, would have been my guess, and it would have been, like, second LeBron era. Like, they just shellacked a random. Actually, team. the second most was in 2021 when they beat the Raptors 144 to 99. And after that, it's just a bunch of 43-point wins, 40s, 39s. I'm trying to see, like, LeBron era-wise, what we're looking at here. Uh, second LeBron era, the largest margin of victory was 39 points um, against the Charlotte Hornets when they won 129-90. to 90. It's just interesting to think, like, wow. There are some just, like, crazy offensive performances. Um, but in, like, this one, it, it got out of the way, out of the way really quick. And, um, boy, oh boy, they were not kidding when they said the Bucks certainly are not the same team they were defensively last year, When uh, especially with no Giannis out there. Yeah. All right, after this, there's a big trade in the Eastern Conference that is going to have an impact on the Cavs. Pascal Siakam is an Indiana Pacer. We'll talk about what it means for Cleveland. And go check out Locked on Raptors and Locked on Pacers. Technically, Locked on Pelicans, too, because Kira Lewis was involved in that trade. So... Three pods you can go listen to right after this one, but we'll talk about Siakam and its impact on the Cavs after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. They take the guesswork out of buying tickets. I love the last minute deals you can get. I built getting them, getting tickets last August when I went to New York, got Liberty Aces tickets on game time, saved myself a ton of money, saved my friends a ton of money, and there's not much better than that. There's also the game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. 
Download the game to map, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem our code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off your first purchase. So Siakam is an Indiana Pacer. Evan, here's why I think this matters. You can again go check out Locked On Pacers for the analysis of that trade, what it really means for Indiana, and, and what Tony East, who does a really good job over there, thinks of it. But here's the middle of the East right now, and I'm going to include Philly in this as the three seed. Philly is at 26 and 13 right now. Cavs are 24 and 15. Knicks 24 and 17. Heat 24 and 17. Pacers 23 and 17. The Magic 22 and 19. Below that, uh, there's a lot of sadness looking at you, Atlanta, who did beat the, the, the Magic as we're, after we recorded this, or before we recorded this, DeJounte Murray game winner. This middle of the East, I think from three, and we'll see what Philly does, to eight with Orlando, is going to be really competitive. This is going, the Cavs are playing awesome right now. They're 11 and three. I think Garland being back will be good for them ultimately, even if there's some stuff to figure out. Ditto with Mobley. Those are two of their best three players, two of their best four players, however you want to rank them. They're really important, and the, the talent level gets higher. Just be prepared, I think, with, with Indiana making this aggressive move and with the quality of some of these other teams, I think, for a real battle within the, the rest of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it certainly is going to be a battle. Like The Raptors are kind of being this team that allow these in-season power moves for teams that are clustered in the middle with the New York getting OG and Anobi, who, according to Jake Fisher, um, the Pacers were trying to get before they set their sights on Pascal Siakam. Um, and then more so recently, like now, like you have the Raptors sending Pascal Siakam to Indiana. Like it's a fun wrinkle for, um, <clears throat> excuse me, just because like, for the Cavs, at least, like this is another division opponent. This is a team the Cavs have struggled with at times this season already, and um, I'm, I'm interested to see how they handle it. Just because, like, it's another bigger team. Like, you look at Giannis and Brooke, or now you look at Pascal and Miles Turner, or you have like Mobley versus Mobley now. And like, there's a <coughs> excuse me again. Um, actually, let me pause. Let's <coughs> tickle in the back of my throat. I'm um, good. I'll just start back at the top. Three, two, one. Yeah, it's interesting just because like Toronto's kind of been like the merchant for these teams that are in that grouping that are making the power moves, whether it's um, OG Ananobi going to the New York Knicks or it is uh, um, Pascal Siakam joining the Indiana Pacers. But now like it does make the middle of the Eastern Conference a lot more hyper competitive. Like the margin of error is already pretty thin enough. Like I've been talking about how the Cavs have really climbed that ladder from the eighth seed after that loss at Toronto to kind of breathing down the necks of Philly. But like a loss or two tumbles them back and things and it helps teams like New York or Indiana or Orlando or Miami or even Philly just because of how like tight it is just across the spectrum or the Rubicon for these guys. And so it's, it makes it fun. I think, I think it makes it a little bit more interesting for Cleveland because this is a intradivision opponent that you're dealing with. Um, just because, you know, it's Indiana and Cleveland playing the same division, but like, it's an interesting test for Mobley Allen because Siakam and Turner is just like already a tough 
duo on paper, but like they hit certain pressure points on Cleveland specifically, and it just makes it a little bit of a tougher outing, especially now like that this is an Indiana team the Cavs have struggled against. Like I wonder how the Cavs kind of handle things next time they both face each other, and uh, it'll be an interesting way to see how GP Bickerstaff kind of prepares the Cavs for that that scenario, especially if Mobley is healthy for that next game. I just think from a basketball fan perspective too, like we we win with stuff like this. You can think what you want about the trade. You can analyze it however you see fit. But there's gonna this is gonna be fun. And if you look ahead on the schedule, Cavs have two more games against Indiana. They play Indian in Indiana on March 18th. That's gonna be the last game of a little bit of a road trip where they are. They start in New Orleans. They go to Houston. Then they finish in Indiana. Three mm-hmm. three very different cities there. End of the year, second to last game of the regular season. After after they play Memphis two days before, they get the Indiana Pacers at home in a game that could have real value, a game that could mean something for that team, a team, a, a game that could have impact on playoff seeding depending on where things go. End of the mm-hmm. year, that, that makes that fun. That makes that interesting more than it already was going to be. So I think just from a purely basketball fan perspective, that's really darn cool that we're getting something like this. Yeah, and I think just again, like the fact that like the margins are so thin already and like it's going to be hyper competitive down the stretch, like it it makes, like you said, like those games in March have higher stakes when sometimes at that point in the season you start to realize like who does or maybe doesn't have it. Um, And in that scenario, like it just makes it even more fun and exciting for all the teams involved. Like I, and also just like, yeah, like you said, as a basketball fan, like the duo of, Turner and Siakam is fun with Tyrese Halliburton on top of that. And they still have Buddy Field. They still heal. Excuse me. They still have Benedict Mathurin. Like the Pacers still have a lot of their parts. Um, cost them Jordan Hora and Bruce Brown and three first round picks. Like I, I, I can under, I can question the optics maybe of giving up three firsts to get a guy like Siakam unless he's like going to commit to you long term. But regardless, like, it's a fun move just because it's a pseudo power move to in the Pacers case, hopefully like separate the gulf a little bit or the gap of what you're maybe dealing with on a game to game basis in this kind of weird middle that's happening in the East. And it at least makes the challenge for other teams that haven't made those moves or maybe have made those moves in the past, like really like line up and rise up to the occasion. We're going to end there. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Dermal. Thanks again to Jake Stevens as always back tomorrow with more locked on Cavs talking about, Stock up, stock down, the trade market, all of that and more. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your day.